You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 157 of the Comic Book Informer podcast coming to you on January 28th. Roger, did you see that rather disappointing assembly of X-Men costumes? For what? For the days of future past. No, I didn't, actually. (laughs) Empire Magazine this month is releasing 25 separate covers, each with a different character from the movie. And it's just, it's boring. Like, there's a couple bad ones, but overall, it's just plain black, like, SWAT officers is what the X-Men look like. Yeah, but that still can be better than the crap that we see in the comic books. Some of the costumes are so bad, I'd be fine with just plain black leather SWAT-looking things. Eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, like like I said uh, on Twitter, got away with that 15 years ago, and it it worked for the time, but people expect bright, superheroic stuff going on now that Marvel's been doing their thing. Eh, We'll see. I don't think so. I don't. Again, I prefer you know, give me nice black leather outfit versus Psylocke's assy outfit. Oh, that's, (laughs) you know, I'm alright with it. All right. Anyway, last week we talked about a whole bunch of the new number ones coming from Marvel. So I figured this week we'd take a look at some offerings from other companies. And we're going to start off at Image with Tech Jacket Digital. This was really cool. It was announced uh, got three weeks ago, I think it was, at the Image Expo. Uh, Robert Kirkman came up on stage, was talking about Walking Dead, talking about Invincible. And he said, oh, yeah, by the way, we've got uh, this new digital series, the Tech Jacket. All three issues are available right now on the Image store. And then uh, – a week or two later, they rolled out in Comixology and other services. And that was a pretty cool surprise. I hadn't seen a company attempt that particular marketing strategy before, taking the, uh, the Netflix approach of here's your entire season. And I, I think that was a, a pretty adventurous way to debut this comic. I think it's a fantastic idea. And, and I would actually like to see this kind of thing. See, it's not something that I had actually thought about that much beforehand. But then seeing this and thinking – we we know that some artists work considerably slower than others, which is, again, fine. Nothing res- but respect for what they do and how difficult it is. So why not do it where you have like a three or a six uh, issue spread that's a story arc. Let them work on it over a certain amount of time and then put them all out once it's done regardless of a regular schedule it can still be pseudo regular but you know what i mean that would be so much better Mm -hmm. and this is what we've always talked about how companies need to take this new digital avenue and use it to test the waters on some of their second tier characters that maybe can't carry that monthly series like tech jacket and you know if marvel or dc were to do the same thing i think it would work out pretty well for everyone yeah i think it's a phenomenal idea all right, so anyway, this miniseries was uh, three issues written by Joe Keating, art by Carrie Randolph and Dave McCaig. Uh, as they said in the uh, little editor's notes at the back, Carrie Randolph is your new favorite artist. <laughs> and based on uh, his, her, I actually don't know, their work in this series, uh, it's 
kind of similar to Otley. I think a lot of that had to do more with uh, like the coloring and stuff. It looked very similar to Invincible, but a little rougher, and that's not a bad thing. But overall, it looked pretty darn good. Oh, yeah. It was very good. The um, the coloring was very good in it as well, like you're saying, too. So we had like insanely bright colors and everything like that. Who did the color? Uh, Dave McCraig did the coloring. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, it, it's very good. It's mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily... It, it, I don't even think it would fit necessarily in the top ten kind of thing, but that's that's because yeah, there's somebody some we've never heard of before. Insanely Come on. artwork. That's right. No, this was it was quite good. It was. I hate to say it, the art was a damn sight better than the story, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I I can follow that. Yeah. Uh, although Joe Keating was a good pick for this project. I mean, he knows the the tone of the Invincible type comics since he's the one writing Invincible Universe. And it was pretty cool that they gave Tech Jacket this chance. I loved, you know, they're talking about how, you know, in in a more just universe, Tech Jacket is the comic that is a, has 108 issues on the shelf because Tech Jacket was actually their first. Invincible debuted in the Tech Jacket series. That Tech Jacket didn't quite catch on as well as Invincible did. But he's been a character that's been around. Like, I've never actually read the Tech Jacket uh monthly that was out but every time i see him pop up and you know invincible or guarding the globe i think he's a cool character that you know i can see why maybe he didn't work month to month but i like having him around well it's it's a concept that is not new i mean it's yeah. an iron man kind of thing he's iron man it's, meets the green lantern basically yeah. so frankly it's not original in the least so if that's going to be the case you want to make damn sure that you're character and your sporting casts are really super interesting and in that the storylines are kind of thing. And I think that this has the potential to be that, especially because now we can expect that they would use various characters from the Invincible Universe and slop them in here. So that'd be fantastic. My only concern is with the writing I really wasn't impressed with the writing in this at all. I found that, that it bounced around too much. It was too jarring at points. It was, I don't know, it didn't, it didn't have a nice flow to the 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 story at all. I you, I don't know. Did you did you find that? For me, it was more that it was overall just rather uninteresting. It was a lot of stuff we've seen before. Well, yeah, there is that. I'm not gonna obviously, but. It was just, you know, when you're reading a, a, a good comic book that was well written and it just flows nicely and from page to page it flows and every page has a point and things like that. It, this didn't have that. This was, it was too jarring at points. It wasn't, and, and there were different things with the characters as well that didn't make as much sense or weren't as interesting or whatever, like like the father constantly calling his son dude and, and different things that he was trying to do and that it was like, and there's different things as well that just, I mean, they really hit that ground running here. So no kidding. if you didn't read the stuff earlier, you're lost. And quite frankly, I mean, hell, we've read the crap out of Invincible. I never did read the tech jacket though. So I will put that out there, but I'm like, this starts off and you're like, who the hell are these people? What the hell's going on? Who's and no trying to explain, no nothing. I don't know. For me, I think they did. Like I wasn't really lost. They they laid enough groundwork of you know the basic premise of the character that I was just able to go along with it. 
Yeah, but that's the thing. You're just going along with it. You haven't expl- been explained it or, or anything like that. It doesn't necessarily make sense. You're just going along with it. Okay, I, I can buy that. So anyway, our story starts off with Jack Thompson, Tech Jacket. He is the Guardian of Earth, and it starts off like right in the middle of Invincible Issue 60, which was the Invincible War when all of the Invincibles from parallel universes were attacking Earth and beating snot out of everyone. And Tech Jacket is just getting his butt whooped by two separate Invincibles, manages to hold on long enough to overload the suit and fry them both. And waking up in the hospital, I, I liked aspects of the father-son relationship. I just, like you said, the, the father was a little too loose. Like you could tell that there was a bond there that, you know, they, they really cared for each other. But it, it wasn't, it did definitely play more as, you know, a brother relationship than a father-son. Yeah, it didn't. I, I'm, as a father of four, I'm reading, and I'm not, you know, every father is different. I get that and all that. But you're reading this and going, wow, this does not ring true at all like at all at all at all so once he's recovered he, you know, he still has certain remorse that you know even though they were bad guys they were trying to kill him he, he wasn't too cool with the fact that he did have to kill two other people so his parents suggest to go on a vacation with his wonderful alien princess girlfriend <laughs> and i love how the mom specifies no hanky panky because a that's a phrase we use in the year 2014 and b Seriously? (laughs) See, this was, again, like, he feels bad about killing people, but really not that bad. I mean, look at him. (laughs) He he, he got over it pretty quick. He he was really, this wasn't that big of a deal. And then the idea of sending your teen son off with some hot little alien thing, and it's like, yeah. And the whole thing of don't do anything, I was like, come on, seriously? Well, it turns out they didn't do anything. <laughs> they couldn't. Yeah, one of the, one of the main uh, points of the story here is that uh, Zach and Lynn are not compatible. <laughs> and I, I, I've read a lot of comics and sci-fi and stuff. And this is actually something you'd think would come up more often than it actually does. But I can't really think off the top of my head of any other situations where this has actually happened with two characters. Well, the thing is... <laughs> It's funny because you're like, there's no explanation of I why. like that, though. <laughs> I would prefer not to know the biology behind it. But no, you have to. There, there has to be. I really don't. No, you do. Especially because these freaking little outfits are skin tight. So you're going, okay, well, it's not that there's junk down there. Because you could <laughs> see, you know, an outline of it if there was. So... What's the problem here? They didn't and have the seashells. There's and there's a, you know there's a lot of other things that you can do. He wasn't resourceful enough, is what I'm getting at. <laughs> He's a teenager. You know he hasn't. You know. Oh no no no! Kid. Even as especially as a teen, trust me. <laughs> oh, we can't do that. Trust me, I got a list here of other things we can try. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm not. I'm not even going there. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Meanwhile, we have this bounty hunter, Null, who is just the ultimate badass, apparently taking down Galactus, basically, with his bare hands. And his client, who, near as I can tell, was uh, unnamed in this story, wants him to go take down Tech Jacket. Because as he says, 
the Geldarians, the aliens, designed the armors for their biology, and it's a symbiotic relationship. The armor makes them stronger, they make the armor stronger. Never before has some has a human worn the armor, and the Geldarians are just naturally much weaker than humans. So with that relationship, the tech jacket armor is far stronger than any Geldarian armor, and symbiotically, uh, Zack, I keep wanting to call him Mark, freaking invincible. Yeah, really. <laughs> Zack is much stronger than any of the other Geldarian warriors. So he figures if he can get a hold of this particular armor, it will make him young and fit again and you know able to raise hell like he did in his younger days. So brings Null down to Kansas of all places. Why is it always Kansas? <laughs> and not only does he wipe out a small town, once Zack shows up, he actually drops the entire city on his head. And this is where it has that invincible flavor of, oh, this is going to be good. Well, it, it also has the invincible flavor because it's got, you know, mom, Kent. In, in the truck saying, no, we're not stopping. There's a few little things. I'm, I'm hoping that they don't go a little too overboard with those because you also see the little, um, oh, damn it. Not the Wookiees, a little, um, ah, the Star Wars, Ewoks. In one where, of the scenes, there's, there's, an little, Ewok? there's an Ewok on page uh, 19 or 20. It looks like it's a trophy kind of thing in the room. Yeah, that's okay. But yeah, there's a little Ewok there. So yeah, there's little, again, little cult references here and there, which is something that we see in Invincible as well. As long as it's not overboard, I'm all for it and it's cute. But if it kind of goes overboard, then it makes you groan. Mm-hmm. But seeing so, Ron Pockent and him saying, no, we are not stopping, that, <laughs> that actually was funny. I will give him that. Yeah. So of course, uh, Zach beats, I almost called him Mark again. My God, <laughs> Zach beats the bad guy, you know, gets back together with the girl. I, overall, I think this served as a nice introduction to the tech jacket character for people who may not have been terribly aware of him. I, I think, I hope this does well in that they, they see there is an audience out there and they can then move forward, dive a little deeper into the character and his supporting cast and his relationships because it's, it's something I would like to see succeed. And anything that expands the Invincible universe even farther, I'm perfectly okay with. I I agree. I The only thing holding me back, like I said, is the writing. And, and that's a fairly big one because mm-hmm. as it stands like this, it'd be something that I'd probably, you know, go back over trades periodically just to read a, a bunch at a time if I've got nothing else. But it's not at the top or even close to the top of my pull list. I, the art's fantastic, but the story is just, I'm not a fan of how it's being written, which is too mm-hmm. bad because the potential is definitely there. And it's not Keating himself because the work he's doing in Invincible Universe with a larger cast, he's still giving the characters time to actually be characters and it's not just that i don't know there's just something about the way that this is written and maybe it was how it was edited or or if you know the they had too much of a say in what he was supposed to do it just doesn't come off as very fluid and well written Mm -hmm. and just as a quick aside almost as a joke they made a big deal of image expo about you know (laughs) invincible with the writer of the walking dead is like how they were jokingly advertising it so you get all these stupid comic sites that basically only follow Marvel and DC and super popular comics like The Walking Dead going, oh, my God, Robert Kirkman is taking over this cool superhero comic. It's been funny. <laughs> anyway, we're moving into Dark Horse now. Uh, this is Bad Blood, number one of a five-issue miniseries written by Jonathan Mayberry and Tyler Crook. 
And again, this was a really interesting art style. It looked a lot like, it looked a lot like watercolor it, yeah, to me, it did. right? Yeah, I think it was. It was the the coloring was uh, was oh he did all of the art. He did everything. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So yeah, even the lettering. Sense. Yeah. So yeah, it makes sense. It, it it's if it's not watercoloring, then it was digital watercoloring. But it looks it looked really good. If it really was digital. good, that I would say it probably was actual watercolors. Which, Which I really is dug. insane for I, a comic book. I loved it. I, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, really, really cool, different art style, which is good when you're doing a story like this. You need to do something to separate your vampire story from the other vampire stories. And until the story itself develops, the art style is a good way to do that. Mm-hmm. So we start off with our main character here, Trick, who is a young man, teenager, early teens. Definitely yeah, late teens. teens, early 20s. He said he was at university. So, And he's fighting off cancer. And they did not make this easy <laughs> to to kind of get through. Like, he's not having a good time with this. Like, personally, I I had a little trouble at points with the story. Like, just, it, it was a little hard to handle. Really? Yeah. I, again, it's, it's a personal thing because I'm not too far removed from yeah. experience like that myself. Yeah. So, I, I mean, if anything, good job of making it somewhat realistic. Yeah. Oh, no, it was, he did a good job. They, they, he didn't sugarcoat it. Yeah. And he, alongside his best friend, Kyle, they grew up together. They're best friends for life. And Kyle is just an amazing, supportive character by Trick's side the whole time, you know, not letting him give up, telling him he needs to keep fighting. I, the relationship between the two of those really sold me in the opening pages of this comic. Yeah. Because Trick himself, he's he's not really having it anymore. He's as far as he's concerned, he's fought the fight long enough. He's kind of just ready to give up, and Kyle will not let him. Meanwhile, Trick gets attacked by a vampire, <laughs> and this is a very untraditional style of vampire, very monstrous. Not you know your Dracula with the fangs. Attacks Trick goes to drink his blood and is burned because as he says the blood is unclean now i don't know if that's the cancer the chemotherapy some other thing that has not yet been revealed but something about trick is making him not too tasty to the undead so in revenge he goes and kills kyle and i was like i it's it's something that you had to see coming but given how much i was liking kyle it's still it kind of took the wind out of me for when it happened. I, I really want to like this, especially because it's Mayberry. And I'm not going to say that it's poorly written because it's not. It's very well written for what it is. It's mm-hmm. very well written. I love the panel layout in terms of what is happening when people are dying around him. It's, you know, the, the pacing is, is, is very well done and things like that. Um, it's just, it's, it's not very original at all. And I'm having a hard time really caring about the story. The characters, yeah, I care about the characters. Mm-hmm. It's already it's, well it's enough written. Thing. I, yeah, I love I the characters, but not it's so like, sure about the overall. Yeah, the story is like, uh, I'm, I don't know. It, it, it put it to you this way. If this was anybody else, I mean, I might read a few to give it a shot, but it's certainly not something that would be at the top of my list. Cannot wait, wait to read the next one as opposed to the next one we're going to be talking about. So, yeah. 
I'm actually very curious to see where they go with this now because you know, the vampire feels that whatever is wrong with Trick you know, some sort of sacrilege to the dark goddess and like all this crazy mythology stuff he just starts spouting and, you know, basically swears that everybody he loves will die during the, the fall of the world. And just it, as megalomaniacal supervillain as you can get from a vampire. And Trick realizes he needs to be the one to fight back. But he's this sickly little kid. So I'm curious as to exactly how the story is going to play out. Yeah. Yeah. So am I. So am I. Mm-hmm. All right, and apparently you really liked our next comic, I guess, Dude. which is Revelations number one of a six-issue miniseries from Boom Studios. Written by Paul Jenkins, art by Umberto Ramos, Leonardo Olea, and Edgar Delgado. And uh, go ahead, you can lead with this one. Okay, let's start off with the quite obvious art here. <laughs> now, had somebody passed you this to read it and removed that page so that you could not see who did the art, would you be able to tell that it was without, you know, looking through other comics to see something similar? Would you have been able to peg that as Ramos's work? There are certain things about the art that are unmistakably Ramos, like, you know, just general character designs and stuff. But I, I think a lot of it has to do with the very different approach with the inks and the colors that make it very different from what we've seen of him on Spider-Man. I think it's... it's Again, you can see little similarities, and it be and, something. And he is legitimately drawing it in a modified style. Yeah, as well. way different. It's insanely beautiful, and just as much credit has to be given for colors as for the the pencil and inking, because the, the the colors in this. I I mean, oh my god, this is insane. This is one of the best-looking comic books I have seen in so very long. I, I'm just blown away by it. It's an, it's an entirely unique style as well. It's not realistic. It's so expressive. The detail in the... Um, the surroundings, like the freaking Vatican, like when the halls of the Vatican, the, the rain while they're outside, everything is, oh, blows me away. Absolutely blown away. The only thing that, and I didn't mind it. I mean, it's a, it's a unique kind of thing. Um, but the only thing that kept me, that took me out was the fact that the two characters have... Uh, black eyes. Everybody else has the whites of their eyes, whereas they have white. They ha- they have black eyes with white pupils. Hmm. You didn't notice that? I did not notice that. Yeah the uh, the main character and his buddy have yeah black eyes. Maybe with white. you've cracked the case, Roger. They're demons because that's what I kept thinking. <laughs> you know, it's funny because you're you're looking at that, and, and we, the wife and I watch Supernatural, <laughs> so demons have black eyes, and so it's one of those. <laughs> it's true, and so now whenever I see this black eyes thing, it's like he's a demon. Sam and Dean are coming after you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, visually, it's a hell of an effect because it's so jarring. But the the comic as a whole was so beautiful. And then the writing was fantastic. You have this religious this the, intrigue. 
this is like just just a brief interrupt. This is what the old Hellblazer comics were like. <laughs> just uh, Charlie's general attitude, and I loved it. Carry yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, I saw that initially too. Except I actually like this guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no the the religious implications and intrigue, the whole stuff with the the Vatican, the um, the the again, it's like this cop thriller kind of detective story but with all of these conspiracy theories kind of things and sucker for you know anything like that that's good this i mean come on when he's talking about reading the book about how jesus and uh buddha were aliens yeah or, or the, the the cardinal comes in and he's reading you know one of those books that inspired the da vinci code i was like this this was written for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, this was. This is one of those. Out of all of these three, man, I cannot wait to keep reading this. This tops any new ones that Marvel has put out lately as well. Everything I, God, I loved this. Man, Absolutely snagged you. Oh yeah, no, I'm dude. I read it twice. Finished reading it back to the beginning. Read it again, and. Spent more time looking at every panel, all of the the, the artwork, how intricate it is. I mean, th- there's, again, there, there's one scene where they're walking down the Vatican, the hall in the Vatican, you're seeing nuns walking by. They're in the, in the, the background as they're coming towards you, and you see the light basking in from the windows, everything. Everything, every aspect of this art just blew me away. And then again, the story was... I dig this type of story. I really like it. And I'm not, well, I'm not Catholic. And, you know, so to me, Vatican, <laughs> Vatican, <laughs> I don't want to say anything and offend any of our religious, <laughs> but he says a few things here and there about yeah, it, little that's... digs. And I like it. It's funny. It fits. It's often true. And so I, you know, props for having the balls to actually write these things in there. Yeah, that's the one thing I'm curious about because I don't know if this is Jenkins' personal view or if he's just really into this character. Charlie does say some very inflammatory things about the Catholic Church. But, and I, I'm, I'm curious as to see if anybody who's more sensitive to uh, that sort of stuff than we are, I, I'm interested to see how other people reacted to this. See, the thing is, is that, I mean, we all have our beliefs. I don't even know what yours are, but obviously most people know I'm Buddhist and I don't have a problem if somebody makes fun of my religion, you know, not at all. Knock yourself out. If you don't believe it, you want to make fun of it, go right ahead. It's not going to change how I feel, nor change the way that I see you either. So, you know, I, I know that I know quite a few people who are Catholic or Christian or whatever. So, um, and I know that they can take a joke about it as well. But I also know some people that are just a little bit over the top about it. <laughs> that cannot you know my family? take a joke. So, yeah. So, it's like I'm quite sure that a lot of people would be offended. But I think the majority of the people would be able to take it as just this is somebody who doesn't share your belief. And that's that. And he does take a few jabs. I personally think. It was hilarious. Very subtle, very dry humor as well. Just biting. And I was like, oh, I really like this guy (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Even if he's a demon. I love him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he is a John Constantine analog to me, so you might not be too far off there. But but overall, yeah, 
good character. The, the way they actually are unfolding the detective and the mystery side of it is very well paced so far through oh, yeah. his first issue. So, yeah, I'm 100% on board with this right now as so well. It's going just a little final thing. Um, again, the, uh, we were just talking about Tech Jacket and the story and the pacing and how it didn't kind of ring true and whatnot. And then you read this. And then it's like, ah, okay, now I see what you mean. It's the, the pacing of the story is phenomenal. It's exceptionally well-written panel to panel. You also still get to very much care about the characters and their relationship. It, everything about this was brilliantly written. It was, it was, I really enjoyed Like if this was a review on the site kind of thing and we we're giving out stars, this would definitely be a five out of five. For me personally, there was nothing wrong with it. Absolutely great comic. Everybody yeah. should check it out. I yeah. All right then. On to what else we've been reading then. First of all, I have the Empire of the Dead uh, from Marvel. It was this was actually written by George Romero, the writer director of Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And this was pretty cool for me because the one thing with Romero's zombie stories is they always have an interesting social commentary about you know. A, real life that you can take from them. Well, not so many, some of the recent movies, but you know what I mean? And the stuff they're doing here with empire, of the dead, uh, where they're setting up like the gladiator pits with the zombies. It, it, again, it kind of ties into like our fascination with reality TV and stuff like that. It's, it's a cool story that I'm really looking to see unfold and see what more Romero does with the concept. I haven't read it. I know you haven't. <laughs> Next up, briefly, Godzilla Rulers of Earth. This has basically thus far been... <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. I said haven't read it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but yeah, Godzilla, it's, so far, it's been pretty much just fan service, and I'm okay with this. <laughs> but, I mean, in the latest issue, when they had Jet Jaguar of all characters show up, and be absolutely awesome just for that alone gets a thumbs up from Vince. You don't know who Jet Jaguar is, do you, Roger? Not a clue. Gosh, you poor, poor thing. Okay. <laughs> All right, and then again, briefly, Wolverine and the X-Men. Uh, the, the, the I read story, that one. <laughs> the story they've done over the last couple issues with the, the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. spies, eh, it was okay. But uh, the scenes with Scott and Logan, because, of course, that's been great. Jason Aaron has said he's been waiting years to write. Basically, ever since he wrote Schism, he's been waiting to write this, where we're now seeing the relationship kind of tenuously reforming between the two. And I'm okay with that. It was a little bit too cheesy for my taste. I mean, absolutely. Wait, and, and when I say a <laughs> I, again, little, I would expect something like that from Wolverine and the X Men. <laughs> no, I no, no, I wouldn't. No, I a, I don't feel it's been long enough for them to just kind of kiss and make up or drink and make up. I, in my opinion, it's there'd be a grudge held a lot longer than that. Um, B, Wolverine is still showing respect to him. And saying how, you know, we, I need that person to follow that you used to be. And it's like, after everything, again, you got to 
put yourself in that mindset of this is real kind of thing. And for the characters, uh, after everything that's happened, it doesn't ring true at all for me. And the, 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 the just sitting down and having a beer and saying, okay, we're going to put this fight on hold while we finish this beer that, okay, I can, I can fall for that. Even having a little bit too much to drink and saying a few things, but the moment it starts to get serious, the conversation, and it's like, do you really want to have this conversation now? And it starts coming out. No, it was too much of a, it, it was far too corny and, and easy to get past, especially the bringing gene into it and it was like yeah man. once gene came into the conversation i was like okay you're taking this a little too far yeah no i i didn't dig it it was funny because for me it was the stuff with the kids that i far preferred in this issue hmm. and again cheesy in terms of oh you think you know the school hang on to a bamf and they'll show you what it's all about and then you get to see the behind the scenes so that kind of mechanic has been used in stories before but because of how much we are digging this the school as well and everything that's going on and the characters also like these characters all are already are already more integral to the stories and and interesting than when i look back many many years ago when i was reading and then the the new mutants were out like i got into the new mutants i bought them all and i i liked the character but I'm I'm looking at this and thinking I already care about these kids more and have more of a a, a bond to them because of how well written they are. Hmm. So I I enjoyed the the issue. It was phenomenal and but I liked it. It was a, it was a good resolution for what was happening. And then kind of in the same uh, thought process, the latest issue of X Men Legacy. Have you been up oh, on yeah. that? Ho, 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 where yeah. where again you have the whole Logan and Scott dynamic. Yeah. But with David thrown in as the I'm tired of your crap guy. That's what we needed it. to see. That was exactly it. it yes. <laughs> Can you guys not kill each other long enough to focus on the true threat here? And we are rapidly coming to the end of X-Men Legacy. And it's cool. Like last week I was talking about how Marvel is willing to let, you know, creators have their own unique style with comics. And X-Men Legacy absolutely falls into that. I like what they're doing is they're willing to accept a self-contained story run like we saw with uh young avengers it was 15 issues out and done now it was never said this is going to be a mini series of x number of issues but they went in with a beginning and an end to the story and what they need to get there it's going to operate month to month and flow perfectly fine on its own and i like that they're not extending these storylines and these characters longer than maybe naturally or what the writer is willing to go with so i i have always preferred that approach to any storytelling of knowing where you're going before you start mm -hmm. yeah and you know we can have the big endless month-to-month -month adventures and all the other comics and leave some nice character focused stories to the the ancillary titles like this yeah this was yeah. it was fantastic and when he puts magneto in his place oh man oh man <laughs> that, was that wasn't brilliant. right that was... i mean it was right <laughs> i loved it <laughs> all right what else have you got for us well you told me to read superior spider-man yes i did i did and it was awesome of course <laughs> i mean it was, it was freaking awesome it was really good and then the uh inhuman 
or in humanity, whichever, whatever the hell it was there. Um, that one uh, is like you said, you know, it's something we've seen so many times and it's certainly not taking anything away from, you know, firefighters, obviously Jesus, mm. I nothing but respect for what they do. Um, but this was something that we've seen far too much and it didn't fit with the character either of Otto that he'd be showing them that much respect either mm-hmm. kind of thing. I, I feel overall it was well done, but we've been down that path. Oh, yeah, many times. The art, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> Freaking gorgeous. Um, caught up to date on Injustice, the two issues. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Tom Taylor's my hero. <laughs> and I was reading issue two, and I'm like, Kyle. I thought Hal was the Green Lantern in it. Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is freaking awesome. I, and again, that scene with Superman and Black Canary. Yeah. Dude can write. Yeah. I watch out dance a lot. <laughs> um, Justice League 3000. Issue two. Mm-hmm. You read it? You I did. Have, yeah. Still digging this stuff. I really... It's it's like it's like it's 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 a teen Justice League because of their maturity <laughs> levels, <laughs> but they're all adults. But I I'm really really digging this I, and, and finding out the little things that aren't there, like Clark actually can't fly and different things like that. Don't call me Clark. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's so vastly different than any concept. I would have had expected out of that story on that grounds alone. I love it. Yeah. Um, you've been reading uh, mighty Avengers still. I have been begrudgingly reading the words <laughs> very carefully, not looking in anybody's Dude. face. Dude, I noticed it so much in the last oh. issue. Did, did you see the Emma Frost face on She-Hulk? Well, it's, it's Halle Berry. Everywhere. Greg, Greg lands woman. Number four. Yeah, it was, it was, unbelievable like is it's just because again there's so many of them in this one issue that are different women that look identical (laughs) so and then the and 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 um and luke cage is basically tony stark there's there's a bald head that was tony stark absolutely and there's different looks as well there's one of them on uh what is it page 11 or something um where he looks back when she hook lands and he's just got this goofy looking (laughs) when he's looking back smiling and you're going like what kind of look is that (laughs) it was terrible i wasn't actually that much of a fan of the story going on in it right now either i it, this particular issue, I, I felt, was a step back from the previous ones. Yeah, it's going a little too far with uh, with Otto in that one. Um, the um, Amazing X Men with Beast going oh crazy. <sighs> what did I tell you about McGinnis, man? Man, this was just because you got the storyline with Beast, which is epic. Any good storyline with Beast is epic, bar none. Period. End of discussion. But then the stuff with Aurora and Nightcrawler. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was amazing. That was that was freaking awesome. I've said it every month, and I will continue to say it. No comic makes me happier right now than Amazing X-Men. Yeah, it is freaking awesome. Um, I read another, the end of the storyline for... Um, Wolverine 
with Sabretooth, with the <laughs> virus thing. I gave up on Wolverine. No, I, I've heard it's okay. It's just I, I no, have no interest. Yeah. No, this was this was literally an entire issue of Sabretooth making like he's going to kill, giving a huge freaking monologue. I kept thinking of the Incredibles. <laughs> he's monologuing. <laughs> and yeah, it was it was not good. I, I didn't enjoy it. Like, come on, Sabretooth. Wolverine killed you once. You owe him one. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, do just, just do it. You're not going to get another opportunity. You know yeah, I really, that a year from now, he's going to get he's his coming back. Yeah, I'm going to watch you grow old in this and that. Oh, bite me. <laughs> it was terrible. I did not enjoy it. Um, and, and lastly, I had one other one. Oh, yeah. I read some Walking Dead. Why? I just, I had to. There, there was nothing else to read. I was like, ah, fine. Let's just see what is happening. I could happening. find you something to read. I know. I know. But I read them. I read the... You're what, 18 issues it? behind on Thor. <laughs> you know, at this point, it would have been better than this, I'm sure. <laughs> as much as I hate that crap, I'm betting you it was still would have been better than this. Because this was absolutely terrible. It was just, it's just bad. Bad, 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 bad. Oh, the other one, there was another Wolverine too, a new story arc that started in Savage Wolverine um, by Richard Isanove, Isanovi, whatever. He did the story and the arc. The art is freaking amazing. Actually, the story was quite good too. Is that the one with the elephants? Or is that after the one with the elephants? The elephants? Yeah, he did one about uh, poachers and magic. Oh, no, no, this is after that. Okay. This is a new story starting in like eight. 1900s or so, whatever. Uh, yeah, it'd be early 1900s, I'm guessing. It doesn't say. I don't think it says. Um, maybe the late 18. No, yeah, no, yeah, 1933. Um, but yeah, he's basically running booze across the uh, the border and stuff. Stop right there. I'm behind it. <laughs> so uh, tell, say no more. I need to check it out. <laughs> it's, it's. I mean, it's. We've seen this kind of story before, kind of thing. It's just. Another story about the people that he's interacted with, families and stuff like that over the years. It was it was all right. It was good. It wasn't, you know, must read, but it was good. And the art was amazing. Really, really good stuff. I liked it. Hmm. So that'll wrap it up. All right, then. For this week's new releases from Marvel, we have Avengers Assemble number 23, Cataclysm number 4, Guardians of the Galaxy number 11, part of the uh, Trial of Jean Grey crossover with all new X-Men, Inhumanity number 2, Miracle Man number 2, Revolutionary War, The Knights of Pendragon. I think that's just a one-shot. Superior Spider-Man number 26, Thor, God of Thunder 18, Thunderbolts number 21, Uncanny Avengers number 16, Uncanny X-Force number 18, and X-Men Legacy number 23. From DC, uh, honestly, there wasn't a whole lot out of DC this week that really caught my interest, but we have Earth 2 Annual number 2, Flash number 27, and Talon number 15. And a big week from all of the other smaller publishers. Image brings us Black Science number 3, East of West number 9, Five Weapons number 6, Invincible number 108, and Saga number 18. From Dark Horse, we have Furious number 1. It's a cool uh, concept of a superhero series, but it's from the creators of Mouse Guard. So 
Okay. And for you, Roger, I know you're really happy about this. Serenity leaves in the wind number one. Finally. Yes. And from IDW, we have Ghostbusters number 12, Godzilla Rulers of Earth number eight, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 30. How far behind are you on Ninja Turtles? Kind of embarrassed to say. And yet you read The Walking I, Dead. I know I read The Walking Dead. <laughs> it was within reach. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up here for this issue of Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. So until next week, don't read The Walking Dead. Thanks for listening. 